podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to Mouscast, the number one Manchester United tactical podcast. I'm your host, Hader Arbani. I'm joined by Rob Blanchett, as always. Rob, this is uh, these shows are getting more difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. They're getting a lot more difficult as, as the game weeks go on. Look, that is now eight wins in United's last 18 games. And that's only one clean sheet, which is, which is absolutely shocking. I actually crunched the numbers today, Rob. And United have conceded 24 in their last 15 games. That's at, sorry, 18 games. And that's at a rate of 1.33 goals per game. That's not good enough, Rob. That's absolutely not good enough if you want to win titles. What was the old, you said, uh, attacks win games, defences win titles. Yesterday, you know, for the first 60 minutes, I thought Manchester United were really, really good. That might have been one of our best performances uh, this season, barring the Leeds game. But once Oli made those changes, and I think those changes are wrong, barring Jadon Sancho, Manchester United really did fall off a cliff in terms of their intensity, in terms of their play, and we ended up with the draw. It's not really good enough, Rob, and it's getting a bit worrying now. I mean, how are you feeling about the game? You were there, you were there live as well. What's the general feeling around the stadium coming out of, after that? feels like a loss, doesn't it, to be honest with you? It definitely felt like a loss, and the reason for that was the first hour of the game. And the first hour of the game was really good. So it was the first time this season, I would say, bar maybe the Leeds performance, where we saw Manchester United control a football match. So one of the big gripes about this campaign so far is United's lack of intensity, their lack of tempo, and really their lack of brain. You know, it looks like there's a a whole load of really good footballers on a football pitch that have no connection to each other. So, of course, we put that in the manager's lap. You know, it's up to the manager to solve these things. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has to find solutions. But, of course, the results themselves have kept United's head above water. They're not in a bad position in the Premier League. They won a Champions League game last time out. But here we are now playing an Everton team who had injuries, had some of their best players out and were struggling. Yet, after 30 minutes, Manchester United once again cut their own throat, allowed the team back into the game. It could have very, very easily ended up 2-1 to Everton. Obviously, Everton scored that goal that's given offside. Thank the Lord for VAR. Otherwise, now we're talking about a defeat for Manchester United, when really, at the hour mark... It only felt like United were going to go on and win the game. It felt they'd get a second goal. They were in control. They looked good. The tempo, the chemistry, everything was right. Cavani was popping around like like a madman. Bruno looked really good behind Cavani. It was all working beautifully until the manager made what I believe was a prearranged substitution to take the number nine off and bring on his superstar number nine. And we're going to that's really important. We'll see about what the impact was with Ronaldo on the football match, what he actually did, what Ole wanted him to do, and what didn't work. And this was really how it felt in the last 10 minutes of the game, that United had lost their way from being very direct in the first hour to being completely dysfunctional in the last half hour. 
Yeah, absolutely, Rob. And, you know, there, there's a comment here saying, you know, we complain about performances even after West Ham, Villarreal, but we get told to stop being negative. There needs to be a balance, isn't there, Rob? And look, I'm going to... Consistently, aren't we? We're talking about the same problems that don't seem to be uh, rectified by the coaching team. Yes, and, and I think the whole thing is... I. I like to keep it simple. Like we always do talk about whether it's the manager, whether it's the players or somewhere in the middle. And that might sound very kind of lightweight, but you can you can generally find your answers in there. So at the moment, this season, it definitely feels like there are coaching issues happening. You can see them on the pitch. But you know what, Hader? You couldn't see it in that first hour. That first hour looked like the Manchester United that we want to see. Now, Everton still had chances in that first hour. There were still... It wasn't the perfect display, but what you saw was the four-two-three-one rocking. It was working. You know they were going into areas of the pitch and they were dominating overloads. Cavani was really the mainstay of that. Cavani did so well. He was kind of up against Mina and Keane. He was dragging Mina towards Godfrey. He was opening up space for Bruno, and that allowed the double pivot to kind of advance a little bit as well. So I know obviously a lot of people were not very hot on Fred and McTominay, but. That's a normal thing it week to week. But it allowed United to have shape. Yeah. And it allowed whatever the coaching instructions were to flourish. So on that hour mark, I felt really good. You know, I really did. It was like the first time I'd felt being at Old Trafford this this year, you know, after the Leeds match, feeling that United had got a grip of what their problems were. And I think that's why the last half hour was so disappointing because it felt like we reverted to tight. We went from being a team to being, you know, a side of hero football. You know, let's try and do individual stuff and beat Everton that way. And do you know what, Haydar? Everton loved it. That last half an hour, they flourished. They were like, we're going to play counter-attack and we're going to rip you to shreds. And I, I feel quite lucky here today that we're not talking about a defeat. Oh, absolutely, Rob. That's how I felt as well. Look, Manchester United are fantastic for those 60 minutes. We've got the heat map over here as well. But let's talk about the goal because I think we have to talk about the goal. And uh, let's start with this slide here. So if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, we do have the graphics up from the game. So do come over to YouTube and have a look at that. Um, it'll be much easier for you to sort of digest. So, Rob, we've got the first frame here. And uh, this is after the corner. Now, the goal for me was a catalogue of errors. You're seeing everyone blame Fred. You're seeing some people blame Shaw. I think you have to look at the... You, you have to look at the uh, the sequence rather than one person in particular because there were several sequences where United could have stopped this goal. But let's talk about this first frame here. What is your take here on Fred? Now, Fred shouldn't be out-muscled there, but for me, the players have to... We've seen this time and time again that we're not very good defending transitions. Manchester United is probably one of the worst in the league at doing that right now. One of the biggest issues for me, Rob, at the moment is that you've looked at it this season, the likes of Sam Maximan, you've seen uh, Traore, you've seen... You know, Dan Juma did it against Villarreal. Damari Gray, we seem to be cut through like a hot knife through butter with our defence. Now, I'm looking at two different things, Rob. I'm sort of seeing it as, one, the players aren't, um, you know, understanding their structure off the ball. And that's a big problem. And I think that comes down to coaching. I think the second thing as well is they're not understanding their roles. They're not understanding who goes, who stays. Am I going to be ball watching? Because that's wrong as well. Let's talk about this because it is a problem that's reoccurring. And this is when you have to look at the coaching team and say, this has happened to me times this season. We need to stop the goals. United conceded 24 in their last 18. That is not good enough when you spent close to 200 million on your defence. Completely. I agree with that. And I think when you look at this first slide, and we're going to walk you through the goal with four different slides. 
looking at the shape here, this is kind of normal from a corner. You know, you lose a corner, the corner gets cleared kind of into a, a non-dangerous area. And you can see here that McTominay's trotting out. You've got uh, Lindelof trotting out. Obviously, those, those two guys are are in the box to try and uh, score a goal. That's why they're there. You can see on the far right-hand wing, there's Bruno, because Bruno's coming away from the corner. But behind them is a, is the second wave. So you've got Luke Shaw there covering. You've got Aaron Wambasaka covering. Both particularly quick players. They can run. Uh, and you've also got their Fred tracking the player inside, which I think is Damari Gray. So when that goes out to the left and Damari Gray's there, really, what should Fred do? Fred should bring him down. We know this. So that stops the play. So if you do that, we're not talking about it today. Tactical fouls, Rob, are so important that we don't do that enough. We're not we're not a nasty side, I don't think. Yeah, look, tactical fouls isn't about being nasty. It's about being clever. So it's not about being nasty because we're not saying Fred put your foot through him. We're saying Fred pull his shirt, pull him to the ground, take a yellow card. But in that moment, even now when we look at that, there is no danger. So even if Fred doesn't catch Damari Gray, which he doesn't, and you know he gets out muscled by Gray in that moment, which is not good, you know, it's something that's concerning. There is still plenty in this slide that shows that there's coverage. You've got Luke Shaw, you've got Wambasaka, and really at this point, you can't see him, but he's on his way back. But Rafael Varane is starting to run. Now, to the left of the slide, you could see there that you've got Andres Townsend, who's suddenly thinking, hmm, there's counter-attack on here. Let's go. So if we look at the next slide and kind of move it along just a touch, you can see, still see here that, that there's no real danger. You know, there's nothing in, in United's half. Gray's going to come inside and get that ball to Decore. But you can suddenly see that Lindelof is not happy. Lindelof's starting to sprint. Lindelof's thinking, oh, my God, I'm slow. I'm in trouble. And then you look to the left again, and you can see that Scott McTominay thinks that. And Luke Shaw is then wondering, do I stick or twist? Do I go to that side of the pitch and help? and leave the right-hand side because, you know, I've got this guy called Varane who's quick and who's going to catch up, or do I stay at right-back? Rob, it's interesting here because you can look at Shaw's, uh, the way he's turned his body, he's automatically thinking, I've got to get towards Decore. You can see that now. That early yeah. on as well, look, he's inside the half still. So he's committed and made that decision early. A lot of people are, are criticising Shaw for that, but when you're looking and you know that Lindelof is slow, I understand why Shaw has decided I need to go towards and anticipate that Decore is going to get that ball. Definitely. And this slide is key because it shows that Shaw is looking at that, right? So Shaw will know that there'll be other counter-attackers behind him. He knows what Andrus Townsend does, but he is looking inside to Decore because he's thinking if Gray gets that ball, say, in front of uh, Aaron Rambasaka, and he kind of does, then how do I stop a chance on goal here? So he's not thinking about the right-back position. He's thinking about the left side of central defence, which, of course, is up to Lindelof. And we all know Lindelof is slow. And Luke Shaw knows Lindelof is slow. And Everton know Lindelof is slow. So that's where the ball goes. So when we look at the, the next slide and move it along, and we can kind of see how it unfolds, it doesn't really help United with Everton's choices. So Everton make a good choice there to kind of run that left channel. Because Luke Shaw then says, I have to go and help. Because that's what football's about. In that moment, you have to decide whether you go and help or stick to your position. And there's no value with Luke Shaw holding the width there. So you can look at where the play is with Decore. He could slide Gray in again there, and you're really done. Gray's in, he's round the back, you're you're in trouble. But what does what happens? Well, you know, we'll move it along to one more slide. We can see already here that Varan hasn't switched on quick enough. Varan hasn't kind of got back into that role where we need it to be. So then the ball breaks to the edge of the box. And really, 
you'd bet on Andrews Townsend eight times out of ten here. It's a pretty easy chance. He's just got to slide it one side or the other from De Gea. Uh, nice, and Var- nice and Varane well, there, you know, Var- I think Varane has played really well since he's come to the club. I think he's brought positive elements to United. And I do think that on the left-hand side of the defence, I like him. I like the way he ball carries. He can do stuff. But here, he wasn't switched on quick enough. He needs to be there with Andrews Townsend on his shoulder, at least to make a tackle or put a slide tackle in or do something. It's not Luke Shaw's fault. People are blaming Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw hasn't played great, but Luke Shaw's got an injury and has carried that injury in play yesterday. So, you know, I'd rather a half-fit Luke Shaw than a fully-fit Alex Teller, sorry to say, people. That's just how I feel about it. So you bring in the players that you trust. But here, Varane has to do more. And we're left then, again, with Aaron Wambasaka having to do everything in the tackling market, get across the pitch, try and get that last gas tackle. He did it in the first half as well. He kind of had a block where... He made a chance. And I also think Wamasaka had probably his best game this season. Yeah, both he, on the front he was, he was both on the front foot. Out. Both on the front foot and the back foot. So the goal itself is a team issue and doesn't wash across the pitch on any of the players particularly well. It was a bad goal. And we've seen it before. You highlighted there, Haydar. You know, Troy already did this to us. You know, we've seen it this this year already where quick players exploit us because we don't cover quick enough. But for me, at this point at 1-1, you're still in control of the game. You know, like when we look at the stats and we've got them rolling along the bottom, the game ended up with United having 72% possession. Now, that doesn't happen. United don't keep possession that well. And it shows that they did. They had a pass uh, success rate of 87% compared to Everton's 68. Big chances, 3-1. to You know, so they had the game in their hands. And even at this point at 1-1, Haydar, you make choices. The manager makes a choice. He brings on Ronaldo and it felt like just before this mark, because Ronaldo came on just before, that it was the wrong choice then. And it all started to unravel from that point, Everton score. And then you've got to go and win the game yourself. And United were inept. You know, they didn't look at any point in that 30 minutes like they were going to win the game or make Everton pay for giving them the ball. Yeah, I do agree with that. What I do want to say, Rob, though, is like, how, how are Manchester United going to improve, uh, you know, this aspect of their defending? I'm still putting it down to coaching, Rob, because I think that you, you can have, you, you know, we have quality players playing there on the pitch. But at the end of the day, I don't see us improving in terms of, like I said, before we went through the slides, in terms of getting back into position quickly on, you know, getting into that defensive setup quickly. That's really key. I don't see, um, you know, players understand what they have to do in those specific scenarios. And I put that down to maybe there needs to be more repetition in this because Robert doesn't, I'm not, look, I don't sit there in the training ground, so I don't know what they do day in, day out, but we're seeing mistakes every single week. And it doesn't look like, you know, they're being addressed. And that's a concern for me. And we will move on to Ronaldo now because I think that's that's important. That's why we're doing this show. So, you know, sort of three reasons why Ronaldo, you know, him coming on did hurt Manchester United. This is not to have a go at Ronaldo. I'm one of the biggest Ronaldo fans. Everyone here knows that. But I, I was quite uh, surprised. And I was quite uh, impressed with Oli for for dropping, not dropping Ronaldo, for resting Ronaldo, putting Pogba on the bench, playing Cavani. Because I thought, you know what? This is a great game for Cavani. Cavani's energy. We saw this against um, against Villarreal. When Cavani and Lingard did come on, we saw that there was more energy. United pressed more. There was this stat that came out with the Athletics saying, you know, Ronaldo's obviously at the bottom. And I think it's about 2.7 presses per 90 minutes. So he's right at the bottom. 
Now I'm going to counter that, and everyone else has been countering this on Twitter, saying, well, you know, Ronaldo scored five goals now in six games. Whatever it is, he's got three in the Premier League. If you look at some of his stats, Rob, I'm just going to get them up. Um, you know, for example, he, in per 90 minutes before the game yesterday, he ranked first in terms of shots per game out of everyone, 5.67 shots, 2.33 on target. That was also first, and his uh, non-penalty non XG was 0.9 goals. So that shows that he's actually outscoring the chances he's getting. He's creating on, on really for himself or he's finishing very well. All those things considered, Rob, can we really sit here and turn around and say, this is a Ronaldo problem? I'm sitting here and I agree with the fact that you can see here from the heat map, obviously, you want him in that little central zone. I'll let you talk about that. Cavani, when he was on, he did the things that Ronaldo doesn't do. He's, his movement, more energy sort of outside the penalty box. But can you really put blame on Ronaldo when it's quite clear that you can't just bring a player in and dump them into a system when the system isn't well-defined, the system isn't working properly. How can you get the best out of a player like Cristiano Ronaldo when the other bits aren't moving correctly as well? Is it fair to just blame the person who you need to give service to and score the goals? Well, first of all, this show isn't about blame. It's about tactics. It's about what we see on a football pitch, whatever the coaching setup is. And I agree with you. I think the coaching needs to be better. I'm 100% behind that. But you've got to kind of look at everyone individually and what they bring to the table, don't you? You know, so like you just mentioned Cavani there and said that Cavani did the stuff that Manchester United needed. But now we're doing a segment on our show about how Ronaldo didn't do that. So Ronaldo is always going to have great metrics. He is a metrics hunter. He goes out there, he gets shots off, he gets goals, he gets incredible striker numbers. That's what we want. But we did say before the season started that there would be a problem with United's press. So when we look at United now for a team that was pressing much better last year, and if we can just go back, Haydar, there to uh, the heat map, because that's that's kind of what we're, we're talking about in terms of the balance and the shape of where Ronaldo operates. United in that moment and trying to find to, to, uh, um, a kind of balance in that 30 minutes after, say, 60 minutes of better football, not perfect football, but much, much better Cristiano then started to go and occupy bits of the football pitch. He didn't need to. So when United are chasing a goal, you could see the, the spacing between the kind of front line became very skewed. So I want to look at this heat map because it shows here that Ronaldo spent a lot of time on the right-hand side of the pitch and he spent a lot of time on the left-hand side. So he's trying there, you know, to double up with the wide players. So on the left, of course, it was Sancho. And on the right, it was Mason Greenwood. In reality, when we were watching the game and in the stadium, and I sit on the right-hand side of the pitch for, for looking at this graphic on the centre of the circle there, in line there, on that side, I could see that Cristiano wasn't doing the striker work. He was kind of on Mason Greenwood's toes quite a lot. And there was a situation, and I've explained this to you as well off-camera, where Mason did say to Ronaldo two or three times, you know, go away from me. He was signalling, go away, go into the middle, leave me in the channel, go. And Ronaldo looked at him and ignored him. So I didn't like that. Now, I know Cristiano is God. And like you brought up there, the athletic talking about pressing. On one hand, it's pointless because Cristiano doesn't press. So he's going to be bottom of the pressing chart. But on the other hand, it's, it's foolhardy that United fans defend it because the lack of pressing is the problem. So you have to find a way, don't you? So you either change your system so you don't play a pressing style United did that against Villarreal and nearly got bitten. No pressing style against Villarreal. And we tried to press against Everton in the first hour and it worked and it worked to tree and we were in control. We had all the possession. We were 1-0 up and it looked like we were going to win two or three. And then we made 
the substitute. So this is not a Ronaldo witch hunt, Haydar. This is not to upset the Viva Ronaldo fans and all of those guys that cannot that think Cristiano cannot do anything wrong. We have to look at the system and why it isn't working. Now, I think Ole brings Ronaldo on for the exact reason that we're talking about here. And he wants to go and win the game. You know, he's looking to win the game. It's what do I do with 30 minutes to go? A pre-arranged substitute. Cavani's had an hour. I'm taking him off. And Ronaldo's going to come on and be my striker, win me the game. It'll be 2-1 and everyone say, what a great substitute. The reality of it is, is that Ronaldo did not go and operate in the areas that were hurting Everton, which is what Cavani was doing. And Ronaldo's presence on the pitch in the right-hand channel there, and you can see him in the slide that we've got up now, closer to Mason Greenwood on that side, not running the central line between, you can see where Mina is kind of shaping his body to the outside there. That's where you want your number nine to go and work. Go and get in that gap and pull the play apart. And that allows Mason Greenwood to make a run on the right into that channel without being offside. For 30 minutes, Ronaldo did none of that. Ronaldo did everything but that. Ronaldo went deep. Ronaldo came to the halfway line. Ronaldo went to the touchline. Ronaldo was almost playing high fives again with players being so close to them. And United were almost playing around him. It was a strange thing. He was almost like static. And other players were trying to move away from him. And that was weird. And it hurt Bruno Fernandes. Bruno had a really good game up to 60 minutes. And in the 30 minutes after was the Bruno that we've seen in recent weeks who struggled to play the number 10 function. And, and with Cavani, Bruno was great because Cavani was pulling player apart, allowing him even to Rob, Rob, even with Martial, you know, obviously they linked for the goal. Uh, we'll talk about Martial, you know, uh, in separate clips. We will be doing that, Rob. Um, yeah. But what we'll do is, I mean, what I do want to say is that Bruno... Bruno looked comfortable, He, I mean, especially for the goal. You know, obviously he got the ball in a really good area in between the lines and, and laid off that lovely pass to Martial. Bruno did look more comfortable when, with the fact that Ronaldo wasn't there because, as you can yeah. see here, you know, Ronaldo should be making that run, shouldn't he? He should be making that run, you know, sort of uh, in between Mina and, and Keane, but he, he wasn't doing that. I just want to bring up some stats, Rob, just to reiterate your point. Um, you did, you know, obviously you did mention that he didn't do very much when he did come on. He made one key pass. He had one shot. He touched the ball 17 times. And as the heat map shows, he didn't operate in those dangerous areas that we were talking about. Yeah, totally. And and I think we have to also kind of, you know, the reason why we do the show in the way that we do do it week to week to week is so we can kind of reference backwards. And we talked a lot about how Bruno and and Ronaldo have struggled. And we'll do a separate segment on that in terms of looking at what they did for Portugal and why things don't quite work for Portugal and why Bruno gets pulled for it. You can look here at the slide that we've got up. Paul Pogba is effectively in the number 10 role. So that pushes Bruno wide. So this is because United are trying different things. We've seen this all season long where Pogba will advance. He'll go a little bit more central and Bruno then goes and roams. So Bruno is now in a number eight role. So Bruno's not number 10 anymore. Bruno's coming deeper because he's looking to start the playoff. What you can't see here on the far left is Jadon Sancho. So he's to the left of the screen there of, of the right back. So that's his position. That's where he should be. But on the right-hand side of the pitch, United are completely static. And it really does come from Ronaldo. Because if Ronaldo runs across the line, at least, just runs from right back to centre-back to centre-back and makes that run, Everton get pulled apart. And it means you, you can go from left to right really quickly. And it did happen. It didn't happen at all. And it doesn't happen because it's not Cristiano's game. So this is the issue is that, you know, I think United fans have got to be really careful that this doesn't, this football club does not come become about Cristiano Ronaldo and 10 other players because you wouldn't win nothing. Juventus became that football club. And if you talk to anyone at Juventus, whether it be journalist or fan, they will actually highlight what we're seeing here as the problem with Ronaldo at Juventus. And that is that he does not, 
run the line. He does not pull the play apart. And he does actually kind of just go into strange areas of the football pitch. And with 30 minutes to go, we needed Ronaldo between those two centre-backs. That's where we needed him to be, timing his runs, helping the midfield advance. And he didn't do it. So here we got the next slide up that we kind of prepared before. And you can see here, this is this is a bog standard, double pivot, pushing the ball forward. You know, you've got player on the right. You've got a full-back advancing. You've got your centre-back, uh, sorry, your centre-forward. And then you've got Bruno a little bit more freer in the number 10. So Ronaldo is kind of making a surgeons here to be the striker. This is where he is. What he's not doing is he's not pushing the boat. He's not running. He's just kind of trotting. And United are playing around him. And what we see here is the, the highlight, the graphic, is the space around Ronaldo. And that is that there's no one close enough to him and he's not getting closer to the right areas. That hurts United and it hurt United yesterday. So if I'm Oligan Solskjaer, I'd be in the technical area, Haydar, and I'd be saying to my striker, go and run the last man because that will stretch the game. Now, we didn't see that. We didn't see that from the touchline. We haven't seen that that's this the season. Issue, Rob, that's the issue, though, for me. That's the issue. And, and you know what? If it doesn't get solved, and this is why we're talking about Ronaldo today, if it doesn't get solved, then Ole loses his job because Ole gets sacked. Ronaldo doesn't get sacked. Ronaldo's going nowhere. Ronaldo's on a ton of money. He's back at United. But we don't want Ronaldo to come to United to play hero ball. If this, is, if this game all comes about Ronaldo picking the ball up and shooting from 40 yards and hitting the top corner, United are going to come sixth. And Ronaldo will still get 35 goals, but will be sixth. So no one's going to be happy with that. So, But this slide really does show it because I think this is indicative of what happened to United after the Everton goal. Everton packed the midfield. They played a higher line with their, with their back four. And it meant that United needed to go and stretch them. They needed to run them in that last 30 minutes. And it became pedestrian again. So we had 60 minutes of pass and move and 30 minutes of what we've seen all season long. Yeah, agreed. I mean, look, I just want to sort of touch on you know what? So we knew what Benitez was going to do, didn't we? When he came, when he was coming to Old Trafford, he was going Everyone to play does. compact, yeah, compact, low block. He had Calvert Lewin, Richarlison, Seamus Coleman, you know, Andre Gomez, pretty much, you know, four key players in the starting lineup, especially Richarlison and uh, and uh, Calvert Lewin. And we knew that what they were going to do, they were going to give United the possession, which they did, and they were going to give United the territory, which is what they did. We saw that seventy-two percent. But then when you look at the shots, Rob, United only had th thirteen to their twelve, so it wasn't exactly as if Manchester United created a lot. Um, and I think, you know, one of, one of the big things, Rob, for me when I'm looking at it is that I, I just want to compare it to what I actually said about Mason after the Leeds game. Because obviously that was when Ronaldo hadn't joined. Mason was playing as a central striker. And what I said at that time was I said that he gave United absolutely fantastic and phenomenal tactical balance. So what he was doing is he was drifting into the left and we had Pogba playing on that left-hand side, didn't we? He, he stepped in to create and you allowed to see his passing range. And what we had with Mason is that he was dropping deeper and Bruno was making those runs in behind. Now, we're talking about the chemistry between Ronaldo and Bruno. And we saw that, obviously, we're playing Leeds and Manchester United have the, the, the sort of tactical hold on Leeds at the moment. But that sort of rotation and movement and that fluid front three, and even with Bruno making those third-man runs, that caused mayhem, didn't it, for Leeds' defence? So now we're looking at this graphic here, and you're, you're seeing Bruno shift that to the left-hand side. It's really difficult for Bruno to make those runs in behind or to operate and be more, I would say, be more dangerous and picking up those uh, pockets of space when you've got Ronaldo, who's just sitting, standing right in there, as you can see on the graphic. Absolutely, and this is the Portugal problem. So we see for Portugal that Ronaldo is the number nine. 
Again, he gets to kind of do what he wants to do because he's Ronaldo. You know, he plays up top, he scores your goals, so people are not really going to talk about it too much. But Bruno Fernandes is a much lesser entity for his country than he is for United. But we are now seeing those issues for Portugal definitely reflecting our play at Manchester United. So, you know, the, the slide that we have here, obviously, we're seeing where Bruno is on that left-hand side. He's not really affecting the play and he's not really in a dangerous play area here. So what you would really like is the 9 and the 10 to work together, to dovetail. So we saw that in the first half. We saw Cavani run those channels really hard. Again, it's not that Ronaldo's not fit. Ronaldo can't, you know, we, we said that Ronaldo doesn't do those things. It's through choice, yeah? Ronaldo doesn't do it because he chooses not to. He's a fit guy. He can run him if he Rob, wants to. Rob, I actually want to ask you a question then because I'm uh, where we're sitting here is obviously you're, you're, you're more focused on Ronaldo, but I'm, I'm pushing this onto the, the coaching team. I'm pushing this onto manager because what is it? Is it a case of this? Because I was thinking about this yesterday. Is it the fact that obviously you had Cavani on, he was doing all the things that you wanted to, pressing, you know, running, uh, pulling the centre-backs, you, you know, sort of, uh, you know, out of their spaces, that sort of thing. Is it a case of, right, Oli's told Cavani to do this, and then when Ronaldo comes on, he told him not to. Because I don't think that's the case, or is it a case of Ronaldo not listening? Because that's a problem, Rob. Ronaldo's coming in with that winning mentality, and he will lift. And you see, you see it already that he won't tolerate performances like that. But the, the shoe on the other foot is that it's a bit worrying now for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer if he's got a player that's not listening to what he's doing. Because that's just that's the beginning of the end for him, Rob. That's if you're not respecting the manager or you're not listening to what the manager's saying, then that's a big problem for Manchester United. But, well, this is something we've talked about about Cristiano ever since he left United the first time, isn't it, with managers? It happens all the time about, is it Ronaldo's team or is it a manager running the team? So looking at the tactics yesterday, you're right. There's no doubt that, that United's tactical plan was to harry and to press um, Everton and to force them back because we know what they're going to do. Everton's system is pretty simple. So we know how you do it. We know how, we, how they're looking at, at being together as a unit to push forward. But what we saw yesterday, and this is why we are talking about it, is that Cristiano, there's no way that United just decided not to press for 30 minutes. That goes on the players. The players have to decide to do stuff. So I just explained there at the top of this segment that Mason was telling Ronaldo to go through the middle. We could see it. Where Mason stood on this side here now in this graphic, I sit just behind that. So that's my view. So I can look along the line and I can see where Cristiano is. I can see along that line where all those players are. And it was a repeated dysfunctional problem that the centre forward, your number nine, wasn't going into the number nine area. He was going wide. He was dropping too deep. He was playing more like an eight at times. He was playing more like a 10. He was playing more like an 11. Hey, Dale, what was he not doing? Playing like a number nine. But of course, Ronaldo's metrics mean that Ronaldo plays games. He is the biggest goal scorer of all time. We know all of this. Everyone loves him. But do you know what? We cannot allow him to not have criticism when it's real and this is a real issue so you know we've brought Cristiano Ronaldo to push you towards the title but we're seeing worse performances and we're seeing those performances when he starts and we're seeing them when United put him on the bench and bring him on for 30 minutes now I'm not saying that the solution is you play Cavani every week everyone knows that I think Cavani is an impact sub and that's the, how Cavani should be viewed going forward but if you're looking at certain games and you need to press and you need to press the ball, if Manchester United turn into a team of non-pressers because of Cristiano, then the season is over today. It doesn't matter if Ronaldo can score 50 goals, Haydar, and everyone can celebrate that and he'll get his numbers. But United are not winning anything playing football like they're, they're playing. So that is on Ole. 
because Ole has to solve it. But you know what? This is why we say when we do these segments and we talk about United, it gets boring talking about the same old Ole out, Ole out, Ole out train all the time. Fred out, McTominay out. These are part of the problems. They're issues. But if we just say that's the only issue, then we're foolhardy. It's not real. So to, definitely in this Everton game, the main issue was that we changed the striker. And changing the striker allowed Everton to then get a foothold. And Everton scored, and they probably should have won the game. Now, that's not to blame Ronaldo. But if Ronaldo's coming on the pitch and thinking, well, I'm Ronaldo, I can just do what I want because I, I'm going to score. Give me the ball, I'll score. That's how he thinks. That's his ego. He's got to play team football, Haydar. And I'm looking at this slide, you can see how it gets skewed, how he gets isolated, and how it, it happens all the time. And we used a, a heat map from Ronaldo's time at Juventus in a previous show. And it showed that Ronaldo basically in the second half of the football pitch is everywhere. And we were like, well, that's great, isn't it? Because he's mobile. He gets around. But you know what? Sometimes you just need a number nine to be a striker, Haydar. And I think United need a number nine to be a striker. You're not telling me that if we had Haaland in that game yesterday, that Haaland's going to the right wing to pick the ball up or the halfway line. It's not happening. Haaland's going to run the defender over and over again. And then Jaden Sanchez is going to go, I know what you're doing. I can help. You know, Bruno is going to say, I can see the play. I can help. And you can see with Cristiano, they don't really know what he's going to do minute to minute. And that means that we are fragmented. And that is a big part, I think, of this story about how do you fix Manchester United's performances? I think, um, yeah, guys, we'll, we'll talk about Sancho. We're going to do, uh, we, we will have some bits on Sancho uh, at a later date. So do keep an eye on that. So do hit the subscribe button. Please do that because, you know, you'll keep up to date with our content. We will address Jen Sancho um, in a separate video. But uh, Rob, sort of the final word now. And I just want to, I want to bring it home. And I agree with you in terms of, you know, look, the, the evidence is, is overwhelming, isn't it? We can see it here, you know, and the difference. I don't think Ronaldo should come on. For me, it felt like a pre, it was a predetermined substitution. And, uh, you know, I think Oli had obviously maybe said to Ronaldo, you know, you're going to come on at this stage. I think it was the wrong decision. But having a look at it, Rob, and I want to I want to look at the overall picture because Ronaldo is a player that's come into this team and the team is managed by the manager, the managed by the coaching staff. They, he, you know, at the end of the day, you brought him in and you have to find a way to get the most out of him and to get the most out of the players. It's not for him to do that. He's, he's a player. It's for the manager to do that. And right now, the manager isn't doing that. If we look at just maybe a bit more holistically at Manchester United, and I do want to say that, you know, United have improved. There's no doubt on the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. There's no doubt about it. You know, United were a side who were in disarray before, and now they've obviously, they're obviously now come back. They're a top four team, etc. They need to be better. We were a counter-attacking team. We've now moved to more possession-based teams. So that's, you can see the vision of what we're trying to do. But Rob, at the end of the day, we're still very disjointed. We're still fragmented in our build-up play. We're still, in my opinion, uh, undercoached when we get into the final third. You can have the best players. You can have the Sanchez, the Cavani's, the, the Rashford's, the Ronaldo's of the world, the Greenwood's of the world in your in your front line. But at the end of the day, Rob, you've got to coach them into a system that works. And right now, that's not happening. So we can pick out Ronaldo, and I do agree with you on these points. He will score goals for Manchester United, and it might be at the detriment if we're going to be one-dimensional, uh, one which we said last show that that was a fear. But, Rob, the buck does stop with the management. They're the ones that put the players out there. They're the ones that coach them. And right now, the coaching for me isn't good enough, and that is the concern. The buck stops with a manager all the time. And do you know what, Haydar? It's him and his coaching staff that will get sacked if this all falls apart. Like I said, players don't get sacked. 
you're right. We, we do have to find a way to play around Ronaldo, but we are seeing things that happen at Juventus happening here. So when you, when he left Juventus, there was no outcry that, that he'd gone from the football club and they were kind of quite happy that they could go to Dybala and play a different system and play the system that, that suits their football club a little bit more. My worry is this, and we said this before Ronaldo joined. We said that if you bring Ronaldo, Ronaldo does not solve everything. Ronaldo gives you goals. Ronaldo will give you magic moments. Ronaldo will save you against Villarreal when you've been poor. Great. He has function. He has use. He's the greatest player of all time. He is. I, I, I believe that. I think, I think he's just ahead of Messi in that. But if you want United to be better, Manchester United need to start playing actual football on the deck. More possession-based, which we've seen. And it needs to be quality possession. And it, we don't need players going and playing hero ball, going to get the ball on the halfway line and trying to run out a whole defence on their own. It doesn't work. So when you look at stylistic issues uh, with Manchester United and compare them to the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City, it's the same issue even with Ronaldo up top. And I think the key question to end on here, which we can pose to our audience, which I think people need to mull over, is that if we'd kept Cavani on the pitch and Cavani could have done 90 minutes, and I'm not saying he could have because he only, you know, he's, he's his first game of the season effectively as a start. So I get why he got pulled, though I think 60 minutes is too early. But if he'd done the whole 90 minutes, the question to the audience is, do Manchester United win this game? And my answer to that is yes. So if you make a substitution and it makes you worse, that's on the manager, especially if it's a predetermined substitution. But I tell you what, Ado, as well, we've got to give some responsibility to these senior players. Yeah, we've said to Bruno about Bruno in recent weeks not playing well, and we've put it on Bruno's lap, haven't we? We said, Bruno, be better. Yeah, Cristiano, be better. You know, if Cristiano needs to do something different for the team, do it. Help the manager, help the tactics, help your teammates. Don't go and be Cristiano, but it's hard, isn't it? How do you tell the greatest player of all time to do different things? Now, Cristiano is never going to be pressing and he's never going to defend. He's never going to do those things. So United have to find ways around it or Haydar, you find ways around not playing him and that is the thing so he didn't play today and I think part of that well I say today I say for the Everton game I think part of that was that Ole needed to switch it up you know performances have been bad so he thought right just bring Ronaldo out a little bit of a rest we'll try this Luke Shaw played even though he was kind of still injured he'd only had one day training it was it was a kind of a bit of a hodgepodge let's see what happens and for an hour it worked perfectly really really good I want to see that Man United in the weeks ahead I want to see that Man United play football and I'm not interested in Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo has to adhere to what Manchester United need, not what Cristiano Ronaldo wants to do. And that is a that's that's a that's difficult because Ole has to be the guy that finds that. Ole has to be the guy that finds it. And it might right, be Rob, a case Adar. I'm not convinced Oli will be able to find a solution to this. Well, I'm just saying that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I think Oli probably isn't the guy to do that thing. But then Ronaldo's only here for a year or two. So, you know, do you change everything just to get things working for Cristiano? I don't know. I don't think that works either. Look, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Rob, as always. Guys, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. This is uh, something a little bit different. We wanted to drill in specifically on three reasons why Cristiano Ronaldo's introduction to the game hurt Manchester United against Everton. Do hit the like button, hit the subscribe, subscribe button, and we will see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.